evening and happy holidays, ladies and gentlemen. It's Ryland Turner, joined as always on this show by Kyle Joseph. It's Wednesday Night Rewind 15. Kyle, it's the holiday season and we are watching something you wanted to watch this time. Yeah, it's 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 good wrestling. Um, now this is a this is an interesting one. I kind of wanted to go back because again we originally started with this show uh, doing a lot of NXT coverage. I wanted to go back and watch an early NXT show that I'd never seen. So this is the first NXT takeover outside of Full Sail. It's Takeover Brooklyn. Yes, and let me tell you, this crowd, man, bonkers. Bonkers this crowd was, but also like it, interesting time in NXT, like a time where it's definitely got some name value. People are watching it, obviously. Like th- there was a lot of um, throwbacks to a special that WWE, the WWE Network did at the time called The Beast in the East. And this was just a one off thing that they did in Japan for the network. And it ended up giving us a, another main event on top of a match that is, it really stands the test, the test of time. Um, but yeah, this was a, this was a fun show to go back and look at, but also like a show that I feel like I maybe had higher standards for going in that I, I was kind of let down by in certain regards. We'll talk about that because I do think it's, so I'll say this about TakeOver uh, Brooklyn. It is a good show. I don't think we're going to argue that it's not a no, good show. No, absolutely not. But the thing about it is that it was clear at this point in time they were hiring indie wrestlers, certainly, though not entirely. There's a number of these guys who um, had the bulk of their training at the Performance Center. Right. But they were very much bringing them in to wrestle WWE-style matches. Yes. Yes, they hadn't quite crossed that path to just letting them do their own thing yet. No, no. This was I think this was pre the NXT era where oh, let's bring in indie stars and have indie style matches. Certainly. But before we get into the NXT show top 10 that we have for every Wednesday Night Rewind, we do have a segment we like to call Rob's Roundup. Shout out to Rob. Shout out to Rob. He 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 came through good with this one. Uh, in Rob's roundup, he is letting us know that NXT TakeOver Brooklyn is held at the Barclays Center, which we did know. The sixth TakeOver uh, and the first of four in Brooklyn. The first TakeOver to not be held in Full Sail University. This show uh, had 15,589 people attend and was the kickoff for Brooklyn uh Triple header followed by SummerSlam the next day and then Raw. Um, they did tape uh, the NXT episode that aired the week after this, uh, at the, and that was the pre-show matches. Uh, this was the first match, uh, or the, sorry, the first promoted uh, match that Jushin Thunder Liger had in WWE. Um, the takeover debut of Apollo Cruz. The Bailey Sasha match was the end of a two-year-long feud in NXT between two, between the two rather, with Bailey coming out on top. Uh, now it's been a seven-year on/slash-off friendship uh, with the two on the main roster. the The main event was critically acclaimed by everyone, and even uh, and, and it has an eight to nine out of ten from various newspapers. Um, there was this was the fifth, fifth or there was. A fifth takeover Brooklyn at the Barclays Center in 2019, but it was called Takeover New York. Um, 
the eight-man tag pre-show, uh, which we talked about, which was the NXT episode afterwards, was the Hype Bros and, and Enzo and Cass against the Revival and Jason Jordan and Chad Gable. Uh, just think of that booking in 2022, uh, he says. And then, yeah. he, and then he says, I think those Revival guys could have been good. I wonder what happened to them. <laughs> so, like, and here's something I will say. Let's talk about the the AEW story. Not to cut off Rob here. Uh, I don't know if the, I'll, just, I'll let you finish the, the roundup. Uh, he just finishes with the Melter star ratings. Uh, Tyler Breeze and Thunder Liger got a two stars out of five. The tag title match got a two point two five. Apollo and Dillinger got a one point five. Joe and Corbin got a two point seven five. Uh, Sasha and Bailey got a four and a half, and Owens and Balor got a four point two five. That sounds. That's about where I would have had things. At. Yeah, I, I I pretty much agree with all of that. Um, I mean, I I probably wasn't as high on Joe and, and Corbin as he was, but everything else. Um, here's what I'll say about it: it is wild to see how many of these people ended up as sort of huge stars elsewhere. Obviously, everything Matt Cardona is doing right now, it's it's amazing to think that he's maybe more popular than he was as Zack Ryder. Yeah, it's it's a weird thought. FTR, obviously, our man W Morrissey, he's he's here. Um, Tanil Dashwood, but before she be- yeah, but she's also back into the WWE. She, she did just get back to WWE, but I think again, I found a lot of success. Like it was good to see that she had success and impact for as long as she did. Uh, obviously, um, the low key star uh, of the two of them, man. It is interesting to think about Weston Blake versus Buddy Murphy or Buddy Matthews as a comparison in 2022. Yeah. Um, my man, the Uha Nation, doing his best. Samoa Joe is is a double champion in AEW. You know, it's it's interesting. Certainly. And and then yeah, Sasha Banks is. We're still waiting to see what's going to happen. It's yeah. There's. It is. It's cool to see how many of these people became stars in WWE in their own right, but it is interesting that even a lot of the ones who didn't ended up having very successful careers elsewhere. Oh, yeah. And then there was Bull Dempsey. <laughs> um, I didn't even mention Sean Spears. My goodness, because I, I keep forgetting. My goodness, because... And I, I didn't mention Leva Bates either. Um, Yeah, we're going to get into that, though. I feel like, so I, I do want to ask before we get into our top tens, who was the most jarring sight Ooh. of, you know, of, wow, this person looks so different? Um, hmm, that's a good question. I, probably for me, Baron Corbin. Hmm. That, and, and you know what I, I, I realized while I was watching this show is I never appreciated this version of Baron Corbin enough, and I miss this Baron Corbin. That's fair. Uh, I, I I think that's fair. Um, I think the most unrecognizable is Ty Dillinger, although I think three people made me, aside from Dillinger, made me go, oh, because they just look so different. Um... Tyler Breeze uh, caught me off guard. Like he ostensibly, he he looks the same, but he, you know, he looks so young. Yes, yeah. Um, 
not that he isn't still, you know, like he's he's only in his early thirties, I think. So, you know, he's still quite quite young still, but he looks so young in this on this show, and it's it's weird to think that it, you know, it's what six years old. Yeah, yeah, this is only six years ago. Um, Kana made me go oh, because she looks she looked really different, and Mandy Rose. Yes. Oh my, yes, oh I my forgot goodness. about that. I forgot oh about that. Oh my goodness, that Mandy Rose is a baby. Yes. <laughs> um that well, actually it ties nicely into my honorable mention, which is both uh comedic in seeing a young Mandy Rose. And uh sad note. R.I.P. to Sarah Lee. Yeah. Yeah, we we haven't gotten to talking about that in uh, Wednesday Night Wallet because of I, I, I mean, I guess we just missed that in the news. It, very yeah. sad story. Very sad story. Really, really sad story. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and of course, because she is, uh, she was married to uh, Blake as well. Yes. So she sounded like an amazing woman. Yeah. Um, really tragic story from from twenty twenty two, and yeah. Uh, R.I.P. to her for sure. Uh, but do you have any honorable mentions? We'll get in, back into the the show a little bit. No, I don't. I've got. I feel like I've got a solid ten. Okay. Uh, I think I'll start with mine then. Number ten. It's Ghana. <laughs> it was so weird to see her there with Sergeant Slaughter and Ric Flair. I feel like she was like I have this on my list as well, but I feel like she was not enjoying herself. She looked. <laughs> she looked like she was not having a good time at That's, all. Like, here's what I don't understand. They had the NWO there, and then they had Sergeant Slaughter and Ric Flair. Was this a gift for Ric Flair? Or, I don't really understand the 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 seating arrangement. I, I am fascinated to know if they talked at all. <laughs> yeah, I would love to ask her. Just like, do you remember the first time you appeared on NXT TV? Did, did Sergeant Slaughter or Ric Flair say a word to you? <laughs> oh man, that's it's it's fun to think about. But yeah, the it it is amazing. Like they, they talk about her, you know, being a, a pretty big deal. And six years later, boy, despite the fact that they didn't always know what to do with her, she was she's had a fantastic WWE career. Uh your number ten. My number ten was WWE in twenty fifteen. What a weird time. This is post-Shield, post-Punk. We don't quite know what we're doing. We have the authority. They're kind of the corporation, but not. And it was, uh, it, like, don't get me wrong. I was watching week to week. So it wasn't like I wasn't tuning in. But it was a strange time. This is the time where Ryback was a thing. Sheamus was on top of the world. Roman Reigns was starting to get that push that, you know, the fans didn't think he deserved it. But but NXT was kind of like that nice alternative. You could turn on NXT and kind of float away from any of the negative feelings you had about the main roster because you had guys like Finn Balor and Hideo Itami and Pac, who was known as Adrian Neville at that Adrian point. Adrian Neville. That actually, let me say, between him and Cesaro, Cesaro basically looks the same, and Neville is unrecognizable. Yeah. Oh yeah. Just just a white meat baby face on that guy. This this guy at this point was a former NXT champion. Yeah. Yeah, he um, was. And he when he like there was I guess the one honorable mention I had was Regal in the back talking about the first ever Dusty Rhodes. Um, 
uh, tag team tournament and, and and Neville just comes up to him and just really graciously offers his services has no idea what this tournament is. And if I if, if I'm remembering correctly, he was not the guy to get to the finals. I believe it was Balor and Joe that year. I think you're right. I'm going to actually look this up because I am genuinely curious who won the first. I'm curious who he tagged with. Because it was, it was the, the idea of the tournament is odd couples, is it not? Yeah, that was the idea. Um, first ever one was Takeover Respect. My goodness. Um, so here, I'll give you the entire, I'll give you the entire tournament because it is fascinating. Basically, all the tag teams are in here and a lot of them found success, but then there were some odd couple pairings as well. So Enzo and Cass beat, here's one for you, Angelo Dawkins and Sawyer Fulton. Whoo! There, that's, that's different. Balor and Joe, who are the eventual champions, beat the Lucha Dragons. Oh, the Lucha Dragons. Sin Cara and Kalisto. Yes. Blake and Murphy lost again to the Vaudevillains. We'll talk about them later. They were fun. Elias Sampson and Tucker Knight lost the revival. Okay. The Hype Bros beat Alexander Wolf and Noah Kakoa, uh, who would eventually become Kona Reeves. Okay. I didn't realize Alexander Wolf was even in this company at that time. Oh, man. Um, American Alpha, Drazen Jordan and Chad Gable, beat Nev- uh, Neville and Solomon Crow. That is your, uh, what's his name now? Sammy Callahan. Yes, Sammy Callahan. They, yeah, it was Sammy Callahan came in with Neville. Interesting. Interesting. I, I would have never put that together, but man, uh, 2015 the, feels like a lifetime ago. The Ascension lost to Baron Corbin and Rhino, who, by the way, were the team that lost to Balor and Joe. Wow. In the final. Wow. Baron Corbin and Rhino went on a run. And Tyler Breeze and Bull Dempsey lost to DIY. Okay. Okay. So we're starting to see that, that, that NXT evolution come in, but man, this was early. This was early, Kyle. Uh, by the way, the year later... Oh, I didn't even realize that Sawyer Fulton was part of Sanity. Yep, yep he was. Wow. Uh, the year later, by the way, it was the Authors of Pain beating TMs. Do you remember TM61? Uh, vaguely. <laughs> <laughs> they, I remember two, them being good. Them two Aussie boys? Yes, yes. One of them's in New Japan, and no one knows where the other one is. Yeah. Um... That's a good question. Um, I forgot Mikey Nichols is working in New Japan. Well, the other one was Slapjack. We try not to remember these things, Kyle. <laughs> All right. Uh, that is a long aside, but yeah, the, the, the Dusty Rhodes. So yeah, my, um, <laughs> WWE in 2015. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, my number nine. Yes. They wanted Nia Jax to be such a big deal. Oh, oh, I've got that later. (laughs) (laughs) She's not like most girls, Kyle. She was a bigger deal in NXT than she ended up being on the main roster, which it's really tough for me with Nia Jax, right? Because on the one hand, Nia Jax. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big hand, though. 
But on the other hand, like, it's not like I haven't seen her wrestle good matches. Right. She had good matches with Rhonda. She had yeah. good matches with Alexa. She had yeah. good matches with plenty of females. It's just unfortunate that that did not last. Well, I think the big thing was just that, like, she had good chemistry with some people and negative chemistry with some people. Mm-hmm. And it's just one of those things. Um, actually, you know what? I'm going to take it back. The most jarring sight of the people that are the ones that the, is unrecognizable to this day. Uh, Charlotte Flair. Yeah, really. She does not look like the same person at all. No. Um, we'll move on. Um, yeah, but yeah, they really wanted Nia to be a big deal. And I think she got, there was elements there in NXT. I feel like what's interesting about uh, the NXT versions of some people is for some people, they get the final form like really quickly. They figure it out pretty fast what this person's about. I think Tyler Breeze, they had this character down from from Jump Street. But some people, it just takes a... They never quite get it exactly right. And I feel like the thing with Nia is they never quite figured out what they wanted her to be. Because they kept trying to make her a face. Yeah, that's not a good move. That's not it a good move It just never made Nia. sense. Yeah. Um, that's my number nine. My number nine, the Terminator WrestleMania promo. This was one of the most wild things you saw on WWE TV at the time. Dean Ambrose played his part perfectly. Uh, Schwarzenegger was great. Um, and I just, I laughed at this, this, because I remember this WrestleMania. This is the one where Rollins cashes in and makes it a triple threat right at the end. It's also the one where Ambrose does these ridiculous ladder spots. Um, it was a year removed from Brian Danielson or sorry, Daniel Bryan, I guess at the times big, uh, big WrestleMania win. So we were post Danielson, but not a little bit. He, he won the IC title on this, but anyway, I uh, I remember um, Triple H coming out to the Terminator, uh, having his Terminator entrance. Oof. That's my number nine. 2016 was a weird WrestleMania. Also, it's weird. It's This WrestleMania is forever away on this show. This, yeah. is, this is in <laughs> August the year before. <laughs> they kept this Terminator thing going for a while. Oh, man. Anyway, um, we'll move on. My number eight. The Dusty Rhodes Classic. This is very nearly uh, after the passing of Dusty. They talked about how big a deal he was for NXT. And it's amazing that right until the end of his life, he was a hugely impactful figure in the wrestling world. Uh, which, uh, it's interesting. I've, I don't know if you've ever seen this scene where they find out that he had passed away on Total Divas. And... I think it's fascinating to me because particularly with the women's division, they hold him in the highest regard. Right. Because he was so, he was so big at, you know, making sure those characters came into their own. And he was so innovative, um, as a part of that company. And it's amazing, you know, again, for a guy who was, you know, primarily known as a wrestling, um, promoter in the eighties, in the early 90s, how big a deal he was in, you know, 2014. That's the thing. is he, This guy had his hands on the early days of NXT, and everyone's got a story. Everyone's got an impression. 
It's he's one of those guys that for me is always going to be timeless. He goes down with the flares. He goes down with the funks guys who you watch to this day and you're like, there's something about them that's captivating. Mm hmm. And yeah, seeing his, his legacy carry on is really, if there's one thing I will say about Cody going back to WWE, that is really cool is that he gets to carry on that legacy. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think I don't think Dustin has anything left to prove in WWE. He gave a lot of his life to that company. Well, he actually just did announce that 2023 will be his last year wrestling. I honestly, I think we're going to get at least one more really banger match out of Dustin Rhodes. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and really, WWE should have him on. For one more match against Cody. And it should be WrestleMania. I I would love it to be WrestleMania. I think that would be amazing. Um have him have a surprise opponent and have it be Dustin. Um Yeah, that's my that's my number eight is the Dusty Classic. My number eight is Asuka before Asuka. Um, as you mentioned before, the, 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 like I, I think I mentioned this earlier, the only thing I really had to note about this was she did not look like she was having a good time at all. And she was sit, sat next to Ric Flair and Sergeant Slaughter. Like, that should be a party in itself. But uh, with all that being said, though, it, it was, like you said, very interesting to see her before the Asuka character debuted and before we really got like full scale, like Kana. Um, all over NXT and holding that women's title for so many days. It was it was jarring, definitely. She took it from Bailey, Bailey, didn't she? She did. Yeah, she did. She she took it from Bailey and then never let it go. Held that thing for uh, like five hundred days. Mm, uh, yeah. Oh, I think over. Like, yeah. uh, probably would have held it longer if she didn't get injured. Anyway, uh, that is that is interesting. My number seven is controversial take. Because it's not as pronounced as it is in modern wrestling. But Corey Graves was always over. <laughs> now, that being said, this he reminded me so much of Jesse the Body from the last episode <laughs> that we did. Like, honestly, he really did. He gave me that same vibe. There is some. Because here's the thing Jesse was just saying stuff, Corey was trying to be Bobby Heenan. He was trying to be like, I'm the heel guy, and so I have to praise the heels, and the faces are stupid. Right. And it just, it doesn't help. And in modern wrestling, it just doesn't work. And one of the ba the oddest parts of it is that you've got this guy who's talking about how Bailey is nothing, and Sasha doesn't respect her and doesn't care about her and whatever. And then after the match, Sasha's hugging her. Yeah. It's such a wild counterpoint, and it didn't need to be that because it was only done that because of color commentary. Right. The commentary team kind of fell into the background for me, aside from a few notes from Corey Graves that either caught my attention or served to rile me a little bit. This was very much fade in the background commentary. Um, so which it, was, is, it was Corey Graves. It was Byron Saxon. Who was the other guy again? Cause he's now the lead announcer on MLW. Yes, he is. It is. Oh my goodness. Rich, rich. Oh, <sighs> this is going to bug me. I cannot remember. I will. I'm gonna try to find it. Hold on. Hold remember. on. I, I might have it. Hold on. Because uh, this is this bugs me now. 
Uh, how do we? How does there? How is it not like? How is it not right here? Rich Pacini. Oh my god! I would have never got that. Uh, I don't think Rich, that. I don't. I don't think it was that in WWE. Rich Brennan was in WWE. Okay, well, Rich Brennan was not the guy he could have been on this show. And you know, it's a, it's a stark counterpoint to um, what would come with Morrow. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, I mean, for some people, Moro's a little bit, you know, um, he he's definitely, he doesn't fade into the background, certainly. But to me, that always elevated it, you know? He was the perfect commentator for the more carnival aspects of, of NXT. But, like, by, by that I mean, like, you know, the acrobatics and the, the insane spots and all of that stuff. All of that emphasized with that trademark Mamma Mia. To the point where the fans would chant Mamma Mia. Right. Like, that was... That was really cool. But this was just sort of... Again, this is early stages, and this is sort of a commentary team that didn't... It didn't hinder this in any major way, but it didn't elevate this show either. No. no, and, and this is a show that people look back on like it's historical, too. The commentary team should be... And don't get me wrong. Like, I feel like in the matches that people look back on fondly, they were fine. But yeah. it, it just wasn't what it could have been. Yeah, this would, this would have been one of those perfect shows to have Jim Ross call. Because I feel like Jim Ross's voice and his inflection and everything would have been uh, like, it really would have elevated that, that women's main event. Rylan, you're number seven. The Vaude Villains. What a fun ca- cast of characters. The Honorary Guerrero and, uh, and Simon Gotch. Uh, who I feel like is criminally underrated in the ring. Uh, he ended, he's, I think he's an MLW, as we just mentioned. Uh, he was a part of uh, Jacob Fatu's group there for a while. So uh, he's a guy who I've seen. And and w- w- what is this other guy's name? Aaron. No, it wasn't Aaron. Adrian Neville. Or no, Adrian English. Aiden English. Aiden English. He was known as WWE. Um, by the way, uh, Simon Gotch is currently in Pro Wrestling Noah. Okay. All right. So he's 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 moving around. This is a guy, again a guy who I've always felt like was really good in the ring, but did not have the size to unfortunately make it under Vince's regime. Um, but the Vaude Villains were a fun guys or were a fun tag team, and with Blue Pants, also known as Leva Bates. Yeah. What a wild seeing her in 2015 looking like 15 years younger than she ever did in AEW. Yeah, I mean, man, Blue Pants is such an interesting character. And it was funny because she was never signed to WWE and Corey Graves never let us forget that. Yeah, I, I will say they like there was a lot of, you know. A lot of a lot of hate on her in this in this and she's always been somebody that for whatever reason catches way more um trouble than she ever needs to. Fair enough, but uh, also to her, that point that that part of the match where she took down Alexa Bliss was some terrible women's wrestling. That that's true. But like for me like I remember her with uh with Peter Avalon and she elevated that 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 uh that parent or her uh, him and uh Brandon Cutler, she was the best part of that. Fair enough, fair enough. Also a fun streamer, if you've ever, ever seen her watch her play. Um, yeah, that, uh, so that was, yeah, the Vought Villains. Uh, well, I'm going to talk about them later, because I, I really enjoyed this match. Fair enough. 
Um, my number six. Samoa Joe and Baron Corbin were pretty good. I feel like I was just... I never quite got into this match. And while Samoa Joe is always good at working with bigger guys, I always felt that Baron Corbin did his best work when he was the larger of the two. While I will agree with you, and I am going to talk about this later, I have a different take about this match. So, like, they're, they're... like. I, I do agree with you in that aspect that Corbin often does work better with smaller guys, but I didn't feel the same way. Okay. Um, I thought like I thought the match was fine. Like I, it certainly didn't offend me or anything like that. And it, it ended with yeah, I think the right guy won. Um, though they were always so stop start with Baron Corbin. Yeah, yeah, and this was the beginning of it. This was before he was ever on the main roster, and they did that to him. And he was, I mean, like. Baron Corbin's an interesting wrestler because he never super interested me with his wrestling, but yet he hits his finisher so well. Yeah, that's a good finisher. And, and you know, like, he obviously didn't hit deep six in this match. Um, again, he did, this, though. He did. Did he? He did. He hit He hit Joe with the deep They didn't call it the deep six. Oh, right. Yes, you're right. Um, but yeah, this, this is a pretty good match. But I feel like... I feel like I was more entertained by other stuff, or at very least, the other matches I didn't um, love. Uh, there was at least there was moments of it there, or like uh, a, a thing to it that I enjoyed more. Um, but yeah, Samoa Joe. It is always cool seeing Samoa Joe too. Yes, absolutely. Just <sighs> there are few people who the dub- who WWE missed on more than Samoa Joe, and they had him. They had him twice. They had him. He was because he was perfectly done in NXT. Yes. And he should have been. But the thing about him. And again, it's one of those things that always chose me wild. He's a face. I know he's Samoa Joe. I know he's this domineering character, but his he is such a baby face. And I'm. Or sorry, I'll say this: not a baby face, but he is an antihero, right? More than he is a heel. I would agree. Even his promos, like his promos, are more stone cold cutting people down than a heel cutting people off. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah, I'd agree. And he's such a he's such a boss coming out. That music hits, and you're just you know you just want to chant Joe, <laughs> but you can't if he's a heel. You got to boo him. Um, yeah, the, the, the presentation of Samoa Joe in NXT was absolutely perfect, but this was not, this is not his best match in NXT. No, certainly not. Uh, I think that's yet to come, but, uh, I, I have a different thought about number six. Mine was Apollo Crews and Ty Dillinger, which I thought was a pretty bleh match. Um, this was Apollo Crews' first takeover and these guys just never really got going. Like, they did not seem like they had any chemistry with one another. The Ty Dillinger character was slowly, like, getting away from being a heel and becoming a babyface, but it wasn't there yet. So it was an awkward time for both guys. And Apollo Crews is a guy who, like, he's back in NXT now. And he's in the title picture now. And that's great. I'm excited for Saturday. I'm excited to see him and Braun Breaker. I think it's going to be a great match. Um, But... 
he's a guy who never really got the time in NXT to develop. And I feel like this was when they first brought him in and they didn't quite have a definition on what this character was. And it was just kind of like guy who does some flashy power moves. And they did not build to that at all in this match. I felt like the the finish kind of came out of nowhere. It was a really short match. And honestly, I'm like, I don't think that's a negative. I, I just didn't think these guys had much chemistry. So I'm, I'm putting that as my number six as a negative. My number five is how impressively athletic Apollo Crews is. Okay. All right. I don't think the match was good. It's just, it was cool to see. But the problem was 443. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was short. It, even if these guys had chemistry, which I agree with you, they didn't really have any chemistry. The match was so short. What can you do? It's it's difficult in that time span. And, and why is this Apollo Cruz's debut on Takeover? Is a match against Ty Dillinger that feels like it meant absolutely nothing, and was over in less than five minutes. Like it wasn't a squash. It'd be different if he came in and squashed Ty Dillinger in in less than five minutes. Right. That would be something. But this wasn't a squash. It was a back-and-forth match. Yeah. And there was no face-heel dynamic. Though Ty Dillinger wasn't super popular at this point. He wasn't a heel. Really. And Apollo was reasonably over. Which I think would slowly diminish as they couldn't figure out what to do with him. Yeah. <laughs> but his character here was like... he was. His character was happy to be there. Sure. Sure, but like, which is we not a, a little good more. character. No, that's my point. That's not a finished product. And I feel like the thing is, I will always ride for the Uha Nation, which is, again, the coolest Indian name for them to call him Apollo Cruz. <laughs> um, he is an amazing in ring talent. And they just, they tried stuff with him, but they never gave him an actual push. Until the Big E stuff. And I thought those, like... But again, the story of Apollo Crews is never getting enough time to show off how good he is. And this was some impressive athletic feats. Because I think, again, for a guy his size, the stuff he's able to do is really cool. But it just didn't land with this particular match. I think it would have been better if you had given him somebody else. Yeah, to, I, to agreed. And 10 minutes. The rest of the show, with one very odd exception, the matches were all 10 minutes long, at least. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's my thought. Is that I don't think this was a good match, but I don't know what you can do in that time frame. No, I agree with you. Four minutes and 40 seconds is, is not a lot of time to get things done. No, and it just doesn't, like, it leaves a sour taste in your mouth. As an opening showing, because you're going to get the reaction that I had if uh, the most positive, which is that guy was pretty cool. I guess that's over now. <laughs> Rylan, you're number four. My number five. Oh, sure. you number five. Uh, Nia Jax. Uh, she is not like most girls or she wasn't anyway. And, and I think Kyle said it perfectly when he, we were talking about this earlier. She had such an impressive run in NXT, and when they brought him up, brought her up to the main roster, aside from her Alexa Bliss feud, which was fine, it wasn't, like, great, it wasn't, mm -hmm. you know, career-making, but it was fine. 
this woman never really got an opportunity to be the star she could have been. And I get it. She definitely was not the safest worker and definitely had, was did not gel well with a lot of the women on the roster. Um, but, but it was, it was the problem that they like, they refused to like the number of matches. I don't know how many matches she needed to have with Kyrie Sane before they realized that that wasn't a good idea. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. It's like, Nearly killed Kyrie saying, and then the next week they're like, "All right, let's do it again," because this is what we're doing. Yeah, because Raw is three hours long. The pandemic was hard on everyone, Kyle. Uh, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I, I remember her coming into NXT, and it wasn't super high on her, but it wasn't like, "Well, she's she's crap." And by the end of her career, I was on the opposite side of that. Um, but no, yeah, it was interesting to see her the, her being hyped. It was just, it was, again, it's a, it's weird to go back to 2015 and be like, oh, yeah, these were new characters at the time. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing, is I tried to take myself out of the context of that. And out, without context, without knowing what Nia Jax would become, that was an odd, odd promotion. It was. You're number four, Kyle. I mean, I'm of two minds on this. On the one hand. It was so cool seeing Jushin Thunder Liger uh, in in NXT. Yep. Uh, it was so cool. The match was just kind of there, wasn't it? It really was. It that's my number 4 as well, so we can we can really openly discuss this. It I remember liking it a lot more the first time I watched it and when I watched it last night, I was just like that was okay. Yeah. It was how long did this match end up going? 8.42. So it was under 10 minutes. The wrong guy won. And and, and you know what? Yeah. I'm not even going to... Like, we can say the wrong guy won, but this was a New Japan deal. New Japan could have fully said, Liger's got to win. Yeah. And, and and I get that. You're working with another company, and, and you have to work around that. But it just... Here's the difference. And I know, like, Liger is still, you know... This was only, you know, seven years ago. Liger is still a veteran at this point, certainly. Yeah. But he's in the ring with Tyler Breeze, who even at that, that age was a good dance partner with a much more athletic moveset than he showed in this match. Mm-hmm. And they wrestled a WWE match. Yeah. What is the point of having Jushin Thunder Liger come and wrestle a WWE match? Oh, I- and, it is such a stark counterpoint to take over Dallas, where instead of Shinsuke meeting Sami Zayn at his level, Sami Zayn met Shinsuke on his. Right. And it would have been way more sense for Tyler Breeze to wrestle Strong Style. Am I wrong? No, absolutely not. No, like, that that's a... Again, like watching this match back, I was just like, this match just kind of happened on this show. It wasn't anything special. It, besides the fact that it was Liger, and, and yeah. that was cool. That it was. was. Don't get me wrong. It was awesome. But like, it didn't feel like it did anything for Breeze. But, but like after the Romero special, I'm just kind of like, oh, this is just a match. They're going to the corner and doing all the stuff I would expect from a, a random SmackDown match. But yeah. I don't know. This was this was odd. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'll do my number three since we both talked about this. Uh, I wonder if we're going to be the same going forward. Um, this tag match was a lot of fun. Vaude villains were so over. Yeah, and Blake and Murphy—they were a good unit. 
They they, they, they served were. their purpose. The- they had flashy, cool moves, and while they they had they needed Alexa Bliss to talk for them. They, they, again, they served their purpose. They were perfectly fine. And it would have been cool to see them come up on the WWE main roster as a unit. Agreed. So odd that they didn't. Yeah. Um, I'll, like, I'll say this. They're, they're a team that's a better, they were better whole than the sum of their parts. Cause I don't think, I don't think either guy super impressed me, uh, in this match. Right. But they worked well as a team. I'd say almost the same for the VOD villains, to be honest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Simon Gotch is um, low-key a great an inventor in modern wrestling. Like, the modern throwback was such a perfect gimmick for him. And his movesets fit it so well because it's such a, like, modern take on a throwback. And it's not really surprising given his family history. Mm-hmm. Like, we're talking about a guy who, you know, has long-standing roots in wrestling. But, yeah, I don't know. I feel like this was... Yeah, this was just... This was this was good. It was cool to see. It was... I mean, the, the Blue Pants was so over. Yeah, but again, like, uh, over and I feel like had heat at the same time. That's fair. But, uh, but yeah, I... Uh, the right team won. The, they love the VOD villains. One of the great tragedies of the transition from NXT to the main roster. Honestly, and let's think about this. Blake and Murphy didn't even come up together. But we talked about five tag teams aside from them. Hype Bros, Endzone Cass, The Revival... And Alpha Academy. They messed up all of them. Yeah, <laughs> they really did. No, like, all of them were very good at, like, at baseline, and they messed up all of them. Yep. Anyway, that's it's one of those things. Like, I know they hate tag team wrestling, but it, it's a shame that NXT was really starting to figure out tag team wrestling. And the Dusty Classic only ramped that up. Right. And then they go to the main roster and just, what do we do with the VOD villains? I don't get it. There's nothing to get. They just are. They're, they're, I, like, you see them enter and you get the idea completely. It's not hard to figure out. No. And just, like, let them wrestle. Anyway, yeah, that aside, that's, that's my, my complaining, but aside, but yeah, this was a good match. My number three was Joe and Corbin. Uh, I thought that this was the third best match on the card. Um, well, I, I thought the tag team match was enjoyable, and certainly the moment for the VOD villains was great. I thought that at this time, Samoa Joe was fairly new to NXT, and he was the coolest thing in the fucking world. Like, the music, the the, the strut to the ring... You, like the you towel. said, the, the towel, the, towel the the fact that he 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 came out and kicked everyone's ass. He was he didn't he didn't have you know a baby face or a heel you know side. He was there to beat up beat up everyone. Um, he he debuted looking like he was going to feud against Owens, and then Owens ended up debuting on the main roster like a few weeks later. There's a match we never got. We missed out. 
Yeah, absolutely. Because again, I think they didn't want to do it because he'll heal, but you they just never figured that Samoa Joe was the face that he always was. Oh, at the time uh, at the time it was definitely Joe as the baby face. He when he first came in, he was full on baby face. It wasn't until he turned on Balor later that year that he went heel. Um but yeah, Joe and Corbin, I thought like Corbin wrestled a pretty good match. And again, it's weird because these guys are so young. And now I look at Baron Corbin and I'm like, eh, like, I guess he's like what you think about Subway, I guess, like to, to do a throwback reference there. Um, it's, I guess, for, for Baron Corbin and currently. But back then, I don't know. I was excited about this guy. I thought he had some potential. Certainly his moves were looking all right. And some of the moves he hit on Joe were great. Um but you're, but you're not wrong when you say that while the right guy went over, Corbin could have used this win. Mm-hmm. He could have, and I think it would have been it wouldn't have been a bad way to go. I think the thing with Baron Corbin is that just decide. Yeah, like they keep pushing him up until the point where the crowd pushes back against it. Well, you got to pick what you're going to do. Yeah, and. They give his character's go-away heat. And it doesn't make sense, because he doesn't need it. What's funny is this character eventually had go-away heat. Happy Corbin eventually had go-away heat. King Corbin had go-away heat. And then they brought him JBL. And I'm like, how is this not how is this gonna like do the opposite of what you want? Who is that who is this helping? Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um uh. And it's so far it's been go away heat. And don't get me wrong, I'm a guy who will who will praise JBL when necessary. Um but this has not worked for Corbin. And unfortunately, this character that we had in the beginning, this kind of like metal badass, uh, with hair. With hair. No, don't get me wrong. This was receding like a motherfucker. And within two years, he definitely need to shave his head. But this look I felt like worked for him. The music definitely. I thought the music was great for him. But they like they they picked a lane with him that did not make any sense. Yeah. And the thing that killed Baron Corbin's career, I think the the point where he could never recover into the character that he ever was again. Um, and I know there feels it feels like he had multiple deaths in the company. Um, Shorty G, not not the least among them, but wasn't that that was Chad Gable? Yes, it was. I'm saying he feuded with. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. From the King of the Ring. That's right. That's, That's who he right. beat in the final to become King Corbin. That's right. But the 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 death of Corbin was the the failed cash in. Yeah. Money in the bank. Yeah, that, 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 that really was. was. There were there was no recovering of it after that. And like Especially looking back at it now, Corbin's a guy who, considering who they've given the championship to in the past, Corbin seems like a perfectly fine guy to be a champion. Agreed. But it's it's harder. The hard thing about it is that once he gets into the ring, I don't mind him. You know? Mm-hmm. Again, his finishers stuff and the towards the end of matches, always great. But, ugh. Anyway, uh, I've ranted enough about Baron Corbin. I just to number two. We are. Ladder match. This is really good. Finn Balor jumping off the top of that ladder. Like, Kevin Owens, again, is my favorite wrestler of all time. I will always love Kevin Owens. I think he's an incredible talent. He, he's great at everything he does. He was good in this match. He played... 
he played such a he plays such an interesting character here because there are moments where he's the domineering, um, brash heel, and then there's moments where he is you know cowardly heel, and he does he flips between the two so well. Yeah. Um, and just him at the start sitting there, um, at the like next to the announcer's desk while Finn Balor's there, just you see the look on his face, just rolling his eyes, and it's so good because he can't be bothered. Because why? Um, this is a really good match. The the moment with Finn Balor jumping off the ladder was really cool, even if it took maybe a little bit longer than I would have liked it to, because again, people climb ladders too slowly in wrestling. Yes. <laughs> and this match definitely had a bit of that, but you know what? It was enjoyable. Um, I feel like that ladder, that bridge ladder was supposed to break and I felt bad for Kevin Owens' back. And neck, but this was entertaining. Uh, this was also my number two. Um, this this while it was not the, the same tier. It's funny uh, if you watch the twenty four on this NXT uh, Takeover Brooklyn, you see Kevin Owens going backstage to Bailey and Sasha after their match, just saying, "Hey, thanks, thanks. I have to follow that." <laughs> um. This was this again in the position that these guys had, which they had to follow that match, which we're both going to talk about at number one. Um, it was a hard task because this crowd was tired, but they did like there's a spot where Finn Balor dives off the um, the announcer's table and hits Kevin Owens with a, a drop kick while he's holding a ladder. That was just ridiculous. This is also like what the only thing I feel like that kind of took away from this match was. This was Finn Balor defending the title. Mm. And I feel like this would have been the perfect moment for him to win it. Uh, they did that in Japan, and I I know why they did that in Japan. Like, it makes sense. But at the same time, um, it just it kind of felt like it needed a little bit more. Um, and that ending would have been, I think, a little bit sweeter if he had won the title for the first time. And I feel like with Finn coming into this as the champion, this could have gone earlier in the card. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. It would have been, it would have been better suited earlier in the card. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, this was uh, it was a good, really good ladder match. I love the fact that these guys didn't touch a ladder for like ten minutes. Yeah, like they they did everything but touch ladders for for a portion of this match, and I think that that's smart. Like, there's been so many ladder matches where everything's been done. So how do you reinvent this match? And Kevin Owens is a guy who specializes in this match. So he's a, he's a guy who everyone expects to have these crazy spots. And don't get me wrong. When he got kicked off the ladder and, and he hit that other ladder, like that was, oh, that was gross. Again, I thought that was supposed to break. I feel like it was supposed to break. Well, it didn't. It, it certainly didn't. It sure didn't. Um, also, can I just say, looking at Kevin Owens in 2015 and looking at him now, this guy has put in the work to get himself into some incredible shape. Like he it's a, it's it's like it's like a completely different person almost. Like and not to say that he he got himself into incredible shape before he got to the WWE, but like the, just a comparison. Like this guy has t- is really taken his career on the, to that next level and he is while he's never going to be a, like a body in the business, which is what I guess they we refer to guys who are big jack dudes. To say that he he looks like he's on the path to just being like the best version of him, uh, I I think I can't commend the guy more. He looks great. Yeah, I mean, I, 
Kevin Owens, this is sort of towards the end of his NXT run. Uh, wouldn't see him back here until TakeOver War Games. Yeah. <sighs> Amazing career. And a guy who I feel like I feel like he needs a really good title reign. Well, hopefully that is coming. You want to talk about the main, the the real main event? Well, let's do it. The match that preceded the uh, or, or start before started before the main event was Bailey and Sasha for the NXT Women's Title. The first time these two had to go around, and it was tremendous. I will say this: I do think the Iron Woman match is a better match. I'm I'm not a hundred percent on with you on that, but like I could see how you think that. But this was amazing. Do you know what's what's wild to think about? This was seven years ago. I know. I know. Sasha Banks in this match was 23. Just wrap your head around that. How old was Bailey? Bailey's a little bit older than Sasha. Okay. She would have been in her 20s too. Bailey, uh, Bailey would have been 26. Okay, okay, okay. But yeah, it's a couple of women who are in their 20s putting on that good a match. And that's what's, you know, it is amazing to see that Bailey is doing the best work of her career right now. When the WWE, you know, wow, turns out giving somebody who's really good at wrestling a shot to have, you know, a character that you they don't make fun of I can't no match man oh my goodness but <laughs> and it's it's the reason that Sasha Banks um WWE is going to do everything in their power to prevent her from becoming a free agent because boy do they not need those problems no cuz she is the epitome of a star and Bailey is I feel like they're they're Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. They're destined to do this forever, and they always have great matches. They always elevate each other, um, whether they're tagging together or working against each other or whatever the case may be. They have amazing chemistry. They are fantastic workers, and to think that how huge this was in moving you know women's wrestling into more and more prominent prominence to the point where. Um, in NXT, some of the women who have come through here, some of the matches, I'd rather see them than than the guys a lot of the time. Right. And you know what? This is also a perfect example of a WWE-style match that works. Yes. Because they didn't not wrestle a WWE. They didn't wrestle some crazy indie match. They wrestled the very WWE style match. But the moment that Bailey hits that poison Rana off the top rope, and Sasha takes it so ridiculously. And then she throws her wristband at the turnbuckle, and we know what's coming. Like, the crowd is at fever pitch at that point. Seeing her reverse the bank statement to one of her own was really, really cool. Yes, yes. I love the spot, too, where Bailey's selling the hand the entire time and Sasha's stomping on it. Like, just perfect, perfect, perfect. Um, heel work from her at this time. And again, this is somebody who eventually did hug her opponent at the end of this match. And it, it didn't, it wasn't one of those moments where, while I did hear some boos during that moment, it wasn't one of those moments that I was just like, well, that doesn't make any sense. It does. Yeah, it they does, had such a does. great match. Yeah. And that's the thing is that, uh, uh, 
it is amazing to me that Sasha Banks continued to be this great. Um, again, speaking of favorite wrestlers of all time, I, the she has she's had the best match with half of your roster. Um, their best match of their career. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it this was really really a special match. It was a great way. It would have been it would have been cool to see that the those women. Holding up that four is the the sign off moment. Yeah, that would that, that that would have been the perfect, you know, moment for that. But but yeah, this was even places to come in. It was an amazing match. It was really cool to see those two absolutely killed it. And yeah, I don't have much more to say. This was just it was just a really well told story. And even without the context, but knowing that, you know, this was everything Bailey was chasing forever and how cool it was that she finally got the opportunity. This was great. I love the story, too, of her taking down Charlotte, taking down Becky before she had Sasha. Like, I, I think that that was really well told in the promo package leading into it. Um, yeah, I, well, I agree with you. This definitely should have main evented. Um yeah, I, I think this is the best match they've ever had with the with the two of them one on one. I know you 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 think that the Iron Woman match was better, and that was a few months later. So like, we were having was, like, it's so hard to tell because they like, so they have had um, uh, several great matches and three legendary matches. This is one of them. Iron Woman match is one of them, and Hell in a Cell is another one. Yes. Those those are the three I think. If we're talking about. I, and honestly, the thing about them is they're all so good in their own way. If you said any one of the three was your favorite, I couldn't argue with you. Right. Um. You know this. This. But this was this was an incredible match. Kyle, what are you going to give this show? You picked this one. You 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 picked a show under two and a half hours. It's gonna be it's gonna be a bit harsher than I normally would be grading. Um. But it's a harder scale because takeovers. You know, to get five stars to take over is really hard because, you know, there's some really, really great shows. Uh, this show, I'll I'll be generous. I'm going to give it a three and a half. I'm, I think I'm going to sit with you on three and a half. I think that that's a fair score for this show. Uh, legendary women's match. Good main there, event. But, but there were enough, the, even for the matches that weren't that good, there were enough m- cool moments. Like... Just seeing Liger come out is a cool moment. Seeing the VOD villains win is a cool moment. Even Apollo Crews debuting is a cool moment. Right. So, like, there's there's things about it that I feel like are are, are really cool. It's just that, you know, maybe only half the match is really delivered, but boy, did a couple of them deliver. Absolutely. Well, Kyle, we have done it. This is our holiday edition of Wednesday Night Rewind. It is almost time for a new season of Wednesday Night Wallop. Yeah, it is. We're one episode left. I'm assuming we're going to be bringing that out after. I'm not sure how the order of this is going to be. But, um, yeah, we'll be getting back to you doing episodes in January. So look forward to that. And... If you're hearing this, you're gonna, there's a bunch more stuff coming out. Ryan, why don't you tell them about it? Okay, so we have a... Obviously, the Wednesday Night Rewind is, is part of the holiday package. I'm not sure when this is going to drop exactly, but it could be, you know, uh, Christmas week. It could be before that. So stay tuned. Um, 
Uh, we also have Jaggers Eve, where myself, Kyle Joseph, DK, RJ, and Kobe are going to sit down and talk a plethora of things, drink some Jaeger. Kyle's going to hate it. Uh, we're going to talk some James Bond. The, the last James Bond movie me and DK have to review. We did it. We did 25 movies, Kyle. Congratulations. Um, also, we we have a Rylands Morning Sports Report. We're going to talk about the biggest sports stories of the year, and we're going to be joined by Nate Milton and potentially Vince Delgado for that. So that's going to be a big show. That's going to be dropping Christmas Eve. Obviously, Christmas Day. You're gonna have. We're gonna have our lists. Kyle, what were our lists this year? Our, our lists um, were about wrestling video games. Yes, wrestling video games, not only not only the video games themselves, but playing as characters. We did a top five and a top ten, so that's going to be great. Uh, and then, of course, the end of the year, December 31st, expect in your podcast catcher, where, whichever you listen to or wherever you listen to it. Um, we the, the Wednesday Night Wallop Awards are back. Kyle, we're doing the best and the worst of the year. We are. Uh, I'm excited to talk about some of this stuff, especially the best. I feel like this was a particularly good year for us. It was. It was. The worst is going to be a hard list to do this year, but we're certainly going to we're, we're going to try. And, and and the worst for me is always the most fun to go through just based on, you know, the, the news and, and what happens in wrestling. And certainly there's there's an elite amount of things to talk about uh, and a lot of punks in wrestling this year. So I'm sure there's going to be a lot of uh, best and worst of uh, chatter that we're going to get through on that episode. <coughs> and then once that's over, Kyle, we are on to season five of Wednesday Night Wallop. We are. We are. Moving right along five year. I feel like we got we gotta get ready for a five year anniversary show. It's actually gonna be our fourth year. Uh we did Oh do, that's right, yeah, that's we, true. We split the seasons. We did. We I did split the that. seasons. So we, we still have some time before that. But uh certainly uh it's gonna be fun to get into the fifth season of the show. And uh we we did twenty nine episodes in season four. That's I think the most we've done in the entire duration of this show. So Kyle, congratulations on that. And uh with all that being said, Kyle, send the people home happy. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. We appreciate you greatly. And you have been walloped. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. You've been listening to a Wallop Media podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Wallop Media. The hosts of our shows are Rylan, Kyle, and DK. You can find Rylan on Twitter at RylanWallop and Kyle on Twitter at KyleWallop. Production is by RJ Spearin. You can find his work at Facebook.com slash SpearKingCO. Logo designs are by Maisie Mulder. You can find her work on her website, MaisieMulderDesigns.com. Our podcasts are hosted by Acast. You can listen to them on the podcast catcher of your choice or on our website, Shows.Acast.com slash WallopMedia.